Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? This episode is brought to you by the new season of Love Island USA, only on Peacock. We got a text. On June 11th, the one and the only Ariana Maddox is hosting a new season of Love Island USA on Peacock. With a new villa, new bombshells, and drama on the daily, this is summer appointment viewing at its finest. Oh, and of course, Scottish sweetie Ian Sterling is on the mic to narrate every moment of the fun. Love Island USA starts Tuesday, June 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern with new episodes six days a week exclusively on Peacock. Visit PeacockTV.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Lots of mess to wade through today, Amanda. Yeah, I, maybe we can end on a positive note after all of the sure. messiness. I'm I'm looking at this right now, and it seems like the trajectory can swing upwards. But but yeah, <laughs> people have been doing things in public, and that's just never advised, you know. No, truly never. We're gonna start with Jonah Hill and Sarah Brady. Jonah Hill, the actor, and Sarah Brady, who is a surfer and model. They were dating in 2021. And they broke up. And in recent days, Sarah Brady has posted to her Instagram several exchanges that she had with someone named Jonah in her phone. And the internet filled in that was Jonah Hill, her ex-boyfriend. And she has not disputed it. And has sort of since this began a few days ago, been sort of building on the press coverage. I wouldn't say building, but like responding to it and sort of in some ways pushing this forward with more context and more information. So while she has never officially said it is Jonah Hill and he has not made a comment, there has been no indication that it is not him. And she has sort of accepted that it is that she's talking about him. I just thought that was important to note because it's never been officially confirmed. I, I, you are correct that that is important to note story-wise and also legally. Yes. So she posts this sort of a text from Jonah that's getting the most attention is a a sort of long text in which he makes a list of things that she does that if she must continue doing them makes, makes him not the right partner for her. And he says that he specifically says that crosses, those are his boundaries, what he says. And the response 
has been rightfully pointing out that he uses the language of therapy to impose restrictive sort of like orders on her, basically. And then there was a few other texts as well in which Jonah asked Sarah to take photos down of herself when she's surfing, where she's wearing bathing suits. He says the thong. She says it's not. And she takes down some of them, but not all. And he's like pushing her to take down more. And it's a lot of really like gross controlling. And as many people pointed out, like coercive texts between Mm -hmm. people in a consensual consensual relationship at the time. I would also add just very memorably lame and insecure, which extremely insecure. I do think has led to the memification of them, which is already happening. I, you know, I have the, the the most prominent text message excerpt. The list has already showed up in various places, and I have some of it committed to memory. And that's not because it's a a reasonable conversation between two adults in a relationship it's because it's just embarrassing it as, is. As, as well as as you said juliet sort of like troubling or red flagish in terms of how this person is communicating and what this yeah. person is is asking i'm kind of glad you brought that up because i feel a little unsure of like what the tenor of our conversation should be about this as like people talking into microphones, because I agree with you. It's lame. I also agree that like abusive relationships take a lot of different forms, but also not all abusive relationships are the same and completely agree. And so, you know, from all the information we have, she wasn't fit. Sarah was not physically abused, which is not in any way to discount what Jonah Hill did, but it seems like Sarah is, from what she has also said is kind of processing this emotionally through her own therapy and her own process. And I don't know like what that officially includes, but I just feel like there's in sort of like the very quick way the internet takes a news cycle like this, it kind of goes to two ends of the spectrum. One memification Mm -hmm. or on the other side, like significant gravity and people like weighing in on Twitter as is often the problem with Twitter or Instagram or, or TikTok. I watched some TikToks. Yeah. Like on any social media platform, (laughs) sort of like lacks the nuance to talk about like the multiple things that are happening at one time, you know? And so I was like, when we decided we're going to talk about this on the pod, I was like, Ooh, I don't even know what to say. Cause I agree with you. Like it's embarrassing and lame for Jonah and sad for Sarah and there's a lot of other things mixed in and also other people involved, which Sarah Brady has started to acknowledge. And it's just like, that's like why it's such an unbelievable mess. And I just want to say, I'm happy that Sarah Brady is like working through this if she needs to, which it seems like she does. But it's just like, it's hard to calibrate a conversation like this. No, I completely agree. And I said to you before we started recording is that, you know, we in, on this podcast are on the in danger of verging into it. Like, and here's my op-ed territory. And there have been a lot of like, and here is my op-eds going towards that, that solemnity, but also I need to tack on whatever, like my issue based, you know, or my larger idea is to the most recent, like pop cultural event, you know? Yeah. And I don't think either you or I want to be part of that or process this information in that way. I think it, you know, it does 
illustrate some things. What's interesting, as you said, about sort of the weaponization of therapy language, which is evident in those text messages, is also pretty pervasive in the world at large. And maybe not sometimes weaponization and sometimes just like the overuse to the point of... Yeah. To the to the point of like neutering therapy yeah. and therapy language. It's a big problem on reality TV. Or I shouldn't say problem, but like phenomenon. It comes yeah, up a lot. And it's, I mean, you know, it's now in every single, it's a storytelling device in every single yeah. movie and TV show. And like, it's just kind of everywhere. And on the one hand, it's like very good for us to be aware of our feelings. And I like am extremely pro therapy. But even the way that everyone is talking about this sort of feels like an outgrowth of the same therapy, you know. Well, what I was going to say is like, there's a place for therapy speak and that's in therapy. But part of what therapy, I think good therapy, I should equip you with is like tools to be functional outside mm-hmm. of your therapist's office. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean using the same language. It's like, it's like how do you... And so I, some people have pointed out like Jonah Hill could have expressed the same thing in a different way that was less controlling or whatever. That's kind of... a you know, a complicated thing to say, not because it's not true, but like there's so many other things, so many if thens with that as well. But right. my, my point is just that like everyone needs, everyone should continue to do therapy, speak in therapy, and I think hopefully learn how to behave and apply it. Yeah, no, totally. The, but the, the other thing that it sort of illuminates is like there, there's no accountability in therapy besides what you bring yourself. Yeah. So it's really good as a tool in context and it's maybe, I I don't know. It it can be twisted a lot of different ways as we've all learned in the past 72 hours. Well, a couple of things have also come out that I just find that complicates this a little bit. Yeah. Sarah Brady has posted to her Instagram account voice memos. I believe of herself based on the way she's posted them explaining. And again, she doesn't, she doesn't say it's her, but I believe the way that she shares these, this information and that it's her that she came out with this shortly after Jonah Hill and his current partner, Olivia, had a child because she didn't want to do it while Jonah Hill's girlfriend was pregnant and therefore like potentially putting the pregnancy at risk or putting Olivia's health at risk. So she was waiting after so that like she had all that she says that Olivia had all the information and also like wasn't like doesn't was no longer pregnant. She also explained to her to her mom, again, via, and I know this from text message screenshot, that the reason she did it is because when you Google her, she'll be forever linked to Jonah Hill and she'd rather be linked to him with what she considers to be all of the truth rather than what, like the lie, like what she perceives to be lies. And they may be lies. I just say that because I don't have all the information to say one way or the other. And so I think that like the sort of additional information makes this like, just a little bit more like complicated in terms of like how to calibrate the conversation because you know this is something that like she's clearly working through but as you said at the beginning like the more and more you kind of like do things in public it just kind of makes everything like messier and more complicated yeah and more complicated and i'm not trying to put any blame on her at all and if it i'm like worried that i might sound like i am but i just think that like working through this uh, through instagram then that's her message. That's her her method of sharing information right now is just really incomplete and opens everyone up to a lot of critique and pain, which she's already endured. But I just don't know that like this is going to fix everything. 
Yes. For two people who host a podcast based on people doing things in public and or having things made public about them, we are, we are agreed that for a person's own emotional health, it's usually better to do things in private. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, a, and then face to face. And I am aware that I said that a little glibly and I am not trying to take away from Sarah Brady either. And she, she has said in, on, in the screenshots on her Instagram that part of this is that she needed to have things be in public because the burden of carrying it, the, the burden of knowing this stuff solo was too much for her. So my opinion on what you should do private versus public does not work for her. And that's like, that's ab- absolutely her life. And yeah. she does not need to listen to me at all. It, you're right that it's just getting messier. Yeah. And also we've been talking about her so much, even though she's the less famous one and exactly. like, and the one that we know less about. And like the, also the one who with the information we do have doesn't seem to be abusive, but she's the only one commenting. So like everything we have to go off of like is based on her. And I, I w- did want to talk with Jonah Hill for a second because a couple of weeks ago we were like, I was like, what's going on with Jonah Hill? I remember like, that. Is- and I thought a lot about that this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm only laughing because I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised that this person has some problematic behavior based on all the other information that I have about him and like what's some of his art projects. The other reason I think that at least I am, am not spending too much time on him in this right now. And uh, Juliet, I think you're right to point that out. And I think you're right to be, we should be conscientious of that. But my response to reading those text messages is just like a big, yikes no like no thank you and i i would like to move on that there is no part of this that i want anything to do with it just yeah like that that missing emoji so but you're right to point out that that means that we spend more time talking about sarah brady and she seems to be comfortable with that right now or making a space for her but these things tend to the thing about putting something in in public is that it can be freeing, but you do also lose control of it. Yeah, you know things kind of spiral away from you, and I I hope that it remains a at least mostly positive, or if not positive, then at least like a therapeutic, exactly constructive experience yeah. for her. Yeah, I hope so too. I don't know, man. It's a it's just a it's a mess. Let's move on to the next mess, which okay. is related, as you yeah. pointed out. Actually, much less messy. Kiki Palmer went to the Usher concert in Las Vegas. He's doing... It's not the concert. He's doing a residency. And I and my friend Callie, my co-host on Bachelor Party, also went quite wow. jealous. He's, I, I am as well. He's got a lot of heads. He serenaded Kiki Palmer. And she was wearing like a sheer dress and a black bodysuit underneath it. And her the father of her child critiqued her outfit, saying, but you're a mother, essentially. On Twitter. He on retweeted Twitter. the video. And then was like, it's, and it was like, it's the outfit for me. Yes. But you're a mother. Darius Dalton Jackson, we should say. Let's use the full name. I will say, we're going to get to this, but the cut for like just serendipitously has a cover issue or the cover story is about Kiki Palmer this month. And she does a QA and the author of the piece says, that she doesn't even know the name of Kiki Palmer's baby daddy and everyone just called them that. And I was like, great point. Yes. Uh, the writer's name is Danya Isawi. And <laughs> the internet hit back for Kiki Palmer. And so did Kiki Palmer. She released merch just 
building off this and I fucking love it. Yeah, girl, get make that money. We are living in a great Kiki Palmer moment. She, the, her Q&A is largely about her podcast, but really just about her sort of her ever growing celebrity, which she's been building since she was a young child actress. And one of the other things Sarah Brady posted that I agree with was what's wrong with state men, the straight men, St. Hoax posted that on Instagram. And I think that's a great question. Hey, Kiki Palmer, the Kiki Palmer incident falls into that as well. So yeah, this one is a, a lot more cut and dried to me with the, the only exception being like Kiki Palmer can, it's her life and she should do whatever she wants. And that includes how she wants to feel about the father of her kids. Whatever Kiki wants is what I support. But like, sir, what are you doing on Twitter? Like, and, and I had this question a little bit about the Jonah Hill, Sarah Brady situation. And since that's a bit darker, like, it, you know, why is everything in text? Doesn't really seem like as quite a related question, but it's like, why are you doing this on Twitter about the mother of your child. I just are maybe are they still together? I'm I I don't know. Maybe they're not. Maybe he doesn't you know, have access to her anymore. But like this is this is something we could handle more directly. I think it's possible they're no longer together. Yeah. I was looking into it. I was actually reading on today.com. It was one of the only websites that referred to the fact that they could neither they could not discern or confirm or deny that they were still together. So I think it's actually possible that they are no longer together. And also maybe this incident made them mean no longer together. Cause I would definitely be very angry if my partner took to Twitter to criticize how I was dressed. I mean, that's like seriously pathetic behavior. It's parodic how pathetic it is. By the way, she looked fantastic. And like, may we all be at the Usher concert being serenaded by Usher looking, you know, as great as Kiki Palmer does. It's insane. <laughs> But another theme that both of these incidents have is, you know, straight men being like, here is what my partner can and cannot wear, which was a little, you know, two in the span of a week is pretty bracing in terms of what year do you think it is and how I do know. you think the world works? I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to be the op-ed person, but just, well, sir, what are we doing? No. Also, like, we're not living in a time where it feels like women's rights are being expanded. So that's, that's a great point. When they go together, it's just sort of like, you know, sometimes I think a certain group of people are blamed for like some of the political developments in this country. But I think one of the reasons there's room for it to happen is because other people maybe passively agree. And I'm not accusing any of these people of like, well, I don't know what any of their political stances are, but I just think that there's still a extremely ingrained patriarchy that allows for these incidents to happen and for women's rights to be curbed. It's depressing. But you know, it's not depressing. Kiki Palmer, I gotta say, she might be one of the most functional child stars of all time. I think she might be top five. Like she likes being famous and like really enjoys connecting with her audience on any platform. Like she has this one quote about, cause she's, she's often so memed. She says when people seem, see themselves in me enough to repost a meme or use a gif, it really humanizes me in a way that I think sometimes feel lost, feels lost in my life. So I really do feel appreciative of being a meme. What an incredible sentiment from a lifelong celebrity. And the, the star is growing. The energy is growing. It's very positive. This piece is interestingly timed in that it does seem like the the, the tweets and the, the controversy happened before uh, the interview and or at least the shoot. But it does not seem like the incident itself was on the table for discussion. I think the interview happened 
before the tweets okay. and they did a quick follow-up because this in the in the sort of the intro essay, it says that the tweets came out on the day of the photo shoot. And so I think they did a follow-up after. Got it. Okay. Well, it's not it's not directly addressed. No. I was wondering if this was rushed out after I, the that, that came seems out. that seems possible. And the QA format would suggest that they just decided to go with it. I you know, the other thing where someone as personable and quotable as Kiki Palmer just do a Q&A because it's all she is so entertaining and gives great quotes. But no, you're probably right that it was rushed out. And I think there probably were some parameters around what she wasn't was willing yeah. to talk about. I sort of like obliquely referenced in a comment about support for her as a mom right now. Yeah. I yeah. too support her as a mom. I do too. Yeah. I can't believe she's only 29. I feel like she seems so much more mature and poised than that. Well, child star. Yeah. Has a lot of experience, but and presence Seriously. for sure. And charisma. It just, it's, can't be. She's shot. a very talented performer and presence. She kind of reminds me of like, in some ways, like a, a Ryan Seacrest type where it's just like, she could really do, except more talented because she's also an actor. But like, she could like really do anything. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he's hosting uh, Wheel of Fortune, by the way. I can't believe they're still making Wheel of Fortune, except I can because I know it makes a ton of money. Yeah, it's a cash cow. But I have not watched it in some time. Good luck, Kiki Palmer. I hope you find a supportive partner. Or I hope your partner is more supportive than he seemed in that tweet. Agree. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped, now streaming only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's talk about some more child stars, former and present. Should we talk about Britney Spears and Victor Wembanyama? I was hoping you would be able to give me some context as someone who has been to Summer League before. Sure. I'd love to. Even even with the context. Did you watch the video on TMZ of her running up to him? I did. It was confusing. I gotta say, everything with Britney Spears is confusing and depressing, in my opinion. So I just want to begin this conversation completely, by saying that. Yeah, I completely agree. I put this in the 
in the rundown as like, do, do we need to do this? And we can I keep it pretty brief. But yeah, I think we should. It's but it's like a melding of ringer I know. interests, you know. If it if it weren't so depressing, it would be the perfect ringer story. I know. NBA Summer League was over the weekend, and NBA Summer League is sort of like there's not really an analog for it. I guess it would be like a cool film festival where all the talent's really accessible because they're just sort of like wandering around. Like that just doesn't exist. NBA Summer League is like the most unmanaged celebrity, sports celebrity event. And it was a crazy weekend in Vegas. It happens in Vegas. There's also one in Sacramento, but the big ones in Vegas. There's also a UFC fight over the weekend. And so there was just like a lot of sports famous people in town and Britney Spears. And so NBA Summer League (laughs) is where rookies play. It's like the first time they're playing. It's sort of like a exhibition league for new players. And then players who haven't been drafted can like prove themselves and then get signed. It's very fun because it's at UNLV's athletic center, the Thomas and Mack Center. And it's just like tons of NBA players and like just sort of like an agents and like NBA Jason people sort of like hanging out. And it's at like a college gym. So it's not like this complex arena with a lot of secret corridors for celebrities and athletes. And so it's just like everyone's very accessible. And also part of that is that everyone just goes to like the same three to four hotels in Vegas and places where they party. And it's just like, everyone's, like I said, there's a lot of access. So can I just say, you're just, you've been doing a lot of great table setting in this episode. And you know, sometimes (laughs) that work goes unnoticed. And I just want to say that I appreciate you. (laughs) Thanks so much, Amanda. (laughs) Victor Wembanyama decided to go to dinner at Catch. Can you give our listeners a little background on who Victor Wembanyama is? Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot that part. Victor Wembanyama is a seven foot four Frenchman who was just drafted by the San Antonio Spurs, and he is hyped to be one of the best basketball players of all time. He has the skills of a guard and the height of nobody else other than Yao Ming, who was one of a kind. He's very skinny. He's very tall. He's like very, very good and extremely hyped, and everyone's like really excited for him to start, but to to be in the league, he's like. But he's also 19 and rail thin and French. He's like not, uh, he's not, I, I don't even know if Britney Spears is in his life. Like, I don't know if Britney Spears is still relevant to teenagers, not, or really anywhere. So he goes to dinner at Catch. Catch is like, a, a, it's like a trendy restaurant kind of. It's expensive. It's sort of like pointlessly expensive. There's one in New York. There's one in Los Angeles. It, it yeah. can often, the paparazzi opportunities are plentiful outside I Catch. I think it's like the cheesecake factory for rich people. It's kind of, okay. kind of where it's at. <laughs> Great comp. I love it. He's he's walking into catch and Britney Spears runs up behind him and grabs at him. I couldn't tell. If she, I watched the video many times. I couldn't tell if she actually <laughs> touched him. I think she touched his shirt. The Spurs head of security, his new team, swats her away and hits her on the head. And there's video of it because I think there's probably video of every moment of Victor, Victor Wembanyama in Las Vegas over the weekend. Hopefully like, except for his private time in his hotel. And he <laughs> goes into the restaurant and it becomes like a problem. And like Britney Spears says that she's been smacked, she's been hit, assaulted, and she's never been treated like that by any security guard before. It's pro- it could be, that could be true. She was hit. I saw it, but it was sort of like, it was like self-defense. If, a security guard is like an extension of the self that's being guarded. So I don't even know. Like, <laughs> he's a security guard, an extension of the self. Next on Ringer Philosophy. <laughs> it was just so absurd because Britney Spears running across a Vegas casino lobby 
to like get the attention of this six foot four, 19 year old who just arrived in America to be the next great basketball player is like a word soup. It's like from like <laughs> ringer fan fiction. It's ridiculous. <laughs> no one got hurt except for maybe Victor Wembanyama's like view of being famous in America. And I don't know, like just everything with Britney Spears is so like warped and depressing. I I don't know. The situation with her son's moving to Hawaii and her just posting pictures of them on Instagram. Just like, it's really dark. It's so bleak. It's awful. It's awful for everyone. The kids for Britney, like it's just bad. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. Like as an isolated ringer Mad Libs incident, since no one was hurt, it's funny. But with all of the context that we have, it cycles back to, to dark. I agree. Yeah. I don't like talking about Britney Spears. There's I don't know. There's, just there's no happiness leave, there. Leave Britney alone. Is, is I'm, I have been there for many years <laughs> and I'm still there. Next. You also asked in our rundown, do we need a Taylor Swift update? Well, it's an interesting you know, question. What did you want to update? Well, the Speak Now re-release and she like softened the language and the she's better known for yeah. things. Yeah. I was wondering how you felt about that as someone who is aware of Taylor Swift's evolving public morals and hypocrisies. I thought it was dumb. Okay. The previous song continues to exist. The previous version. You know, I agree that we should not be like slut shaming and woman hating for no reason, but I I think it's actually okay to hate your ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend. So I'm just going to stand by that. I agree with that. I do think it's also okay to say I wrote something when I was 19 and I wish I had expressed it differently or I would not express it that way anymore. So when you perform it live, change the lyric. But like if the, if the point of this project is to like reproduce the original songs, but own them yourself, like just reproduce them. Okay. Uh, She also did a 4th of July. 4th of July at Taylor's is back. Um, I thank you so much for bringing that up. I actually couldn't identify someone. The, yeah, okay. I, I'm not sure I'll be able to. The Heim gals were there. Sure. Selena Gomez was there. Selena Gomez. The, I was going to say the Heim gals and Selena Gomez. They're all real friends because they've had a lot of staying, staying power. This is like, they were there for the first ones and the last ones. But yeah, so the Heim gals and Selena Gomez and then two blondes who I couldn't identify. Do you want to text me the images and I'll look at them in real time? Sure. I'm going to send it to you via Instagram. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm on my desktop, but I'll open oh, Instagram. It's okay. Sure. It's all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, they've got that functionality. Got the message. Thank you, Instagram. I was like, is one of these Abigail? I just didn't know who these people were. And I felt so like both proud and also concerned. Okay. Oh, so you just sent me Taylor Swift's posts. I don't know who those are. This was a scintillating segment of me learning how to use a social media <laughs> platform. I'm glad you didn't know either. I'm going to look it up while we while we chat. But okay, I'm sure that there's a lot of information available. It looks like they had a nice time. Yeah, Watch Hill. That seems great. I'm glad she sells her beach house. I still continue to think it's a really weird beach house for her. Oh, it's Ashley Avignon and Sydney Ness, who I'll have to Google now. I don't know who they are. Okay. I think it's a weird beach house for her because you can just walk up to the beach outside her house. So people could have just like seen this happening. I assume she has some kind of like visual protection, but it's on a public beach. I completely agree. There's a, there's a large rock formation, right? Yeah. In between the beach and the house and the yard. Yeah, I think so. 
I, I just, I, I don't know. Ashley Avignon is a stylist and designer who lives in Tennessee. Aren't we all? One of her friends. Oh, she's a, she's a longtime friend. She's been in 20, she, she was mentioned in uh, 22, which is a great song. It is. I look forward to the 1989 re-release. I don't really like Speak Now. Really? It's a little too like dreary for me. I, it is. It is very 19, but it has some all-time classics, including "You Belong with Me" and that's that's Speak Now, that, right? No, or is that fearless? it's not. That's fearless. Oh, okay. Then I agree with you. Speak Now is Sydney Ness is her brother's girlfriend, and she's a model. Okay, it out. That's exciting. Oh, it has Speak Now has mean. I love mean. It still really makes me. I laugh. like mean too. Yeah, yeah, I like mean too. All right, two more quick quick topics. First of all, came out last week in both Vogue and via Zane Lowe that Olivia Rodrigo has moved to New York. Consummate <laughs> California girl. So, Who broke the news to you, Julia Levin, first? Zane Lowe. Oh, yeah. Of course, obviously. And then I saw that, that Vogue had an article about her, which the thrust, thrust is mostly that she lives in New York now, which is good. She's living out her 20s. And this brings us to our last point of the day. She says in the piece that she views herself as a, a Carrie and what's Cynthia Nixon's character's name? Miranda. A Carrie Miranda mix. Okay. Which leads me to ask you, Amanda, how are things going on wow. season two of And Just what Like That? What a segue and what a way to use the next generation to <laughs> create a space for us to talk about a show about 50 to 60 year old women doing 50 to 60 year old women stuff in New York. I'm happy to help. Well... Did you finish season one? No. Well, Sorry. That's, I just want to say, it's a Carrie Charlotte mix. My bad. Okay. Anyway. That's honestly probably better given season two of And Just Like That. So you didn't finish season two. I'm going to have no. to spoil some of season... Uh, you didn't finish season one. I'm going to have to spoil some of spoil season away. one I can't for you in order my list. to tell you where everyone is as we okay. begin season two. The main spoiler is that... Miranda has moved to Los Angeles wow. with Che. Oh, wow. To explore a new life as a Los Angelino and a partner to Che, the stand up comedian, current podcaster, podcaster who's now working on a sitcom. Okay. So Miranda is in Los Angeles and that whole plot line and everything have it, that plot line it, itself is fine. And I, you know, Che, the character has become sort of a, like an internet punchline, but is also like very memorable. And it's Che is played by Sarah Ramirez. And I think they're doing a great job. It has nothing to do with Che, but Miranda, the character has just had a full midlife crisis and meltdown and has lost all her Miranda-ness and is now not at all cynical or world-weary or reluctant, which is like, I guess, good for Miranda as a person. You know, Miranda's embracing life. Miranda's trying new things, but she's not in New York. She's in LA. She doesn't have a job anymore. She's just crying all the time. Is it's this like, narratively satisfying no, or in it's line not, with it's, who she is? No, who she exactly. was? No. So that that is the problem. <laughs> it's like maybe she's become a better person and is like opening herself up to life more. But that doesn't make for good television. Also, she's set off from... She's like cut off from everyone. She's in LA, at least for the first three episodes. I have not seen We already before. saw this show. It's when, I know. With when What's-Her-Face moves to LA. Samantha. And yes, she was miserable. Exactly. exactly. We are all miserable. Exactly. I, I should note that I have only seen episodes one through three. 
episode four is out. I'm saving it for when my husband is out of town, town and they've also released episode five. So I can have two in a row because I fucking love this show and really look forward to it. Anyway, Miranda's in Los Angeles and has completely lost the Miranda plot. Carrie is in New York. And at the end of season one, she finds a spark of new possible romance with her stunningly attractive podcast producer. Cut to season two, where she is having regular sex with her stunningly attractive podcast producer. By the way, she plays him. I don't know his name. Should I Google it right now? Sorry. No, it's okay. I was going to Google it for a visual because I didn't okay. hate that character. I gave He's up. age appropriate. He um, is very thoughtful about the podcast space. Also, so she, Carrie is now hosting her own podcast called Sex in the City, where she takes calls and gives love advice. And she is also recording the audiobook for her memoir, which she wrote about Big's death in season one. And sees, and there is a very, honestly, I thought, incisive plotline about the podcast ads that Carrie is allowed to read and uh, is asked to read and the copy about vaginal suppositories that is given to her and that she pushes back on. And <laughs> I, it, I, I'm not what a show. <laughs> I'm not making it up. Episode two, you should check it out. And then what's up with Charlotte? Charlotte. I don't know. There was something about her daughter sold all of her clothes to a made up real, real, the real deal, I think. And then, you know, there are a couple new characters. I saw a screenshot, I think, of Charlotte on top of Harry, as they always are when they're in bed together. And I was just like, still, I was like, this is still what they're doing. Yeah, they're having sex. And that's I know, but it's it's like kind of a classic shot now for Sex in the City. That is really true. So Karen Pittman plays a new character who is a law professor Mm. who then becomes a close friend of Miranda. I think she was a law professor. Miranda like went back to school to learn how to be like a lawyer for good. I recall that. And made friends. And then this character is now going through a separation and trying to decide whether she wants to have a child. And Karen Pittman is very good. Karen Pittman also had to like, it was on the morning show or maybe still is on the morning show. I can't remember. And and has to carry like a lot of people on her shoulders. And then, um, Sarita Shudri is Seema and she is like Carrie's new best friend. And she's a realtor. I remember her from season one as well. And she was in a relationship with Antoine from Emily in Paris for a while. And oh. also she lost her Birkin bag, but then she found it. And so she's had a lot of drama, right. a lot of trials. Oh, and then Charlotte has a new friend from school played by Nicole Ari Parker. And at school, there's some drama because a child made a milf list. Ooh. So it's like, I will say as the season goes on, it's getting back to more sex in the city-ish type escapades. Like I lost my Birkin bag and that was a sign of my independence, but also I want my Birkin bag back. She didn't lose it. I'm sorry. It was, she was mugged because, you know, the city of New York. And then, you know, there's like a MILF list at school and do they want to be on it? But also, you know, like various hijinks and relationships. And then, and Carrie 
not wanting to see the podcast producer more than once a week. Right. So like, they're kind of actually going away from the, we're in our mid fifties and loss and grief back into episodic shenanigans. I want to say everything that I just said sounds completely insane, but Sarah Jessica Parker is astonishingly good on this show. She is still absolutely amazing as Carrie and it's very emotional and I hope they make this show forever. Wow. That actually kind of makes me want to watch. Two questions. Yes. I was told John Corbett was in this season. Has he appeared? Not yet. And again, okay. I'm only through episode three. But I too was told that. I also was told that Kim Cattrall has a phone call in, with I Sarah have... Jessica Parker in which they don't have to interact. And Kim Cattrall did like a very short day's work. I has was, that occurred yet? I was also told that. It has not occurred. I, I have to assume that it will be in the final episode of the season. I love this feud. I wish they would write the real... I and guess they, they haven't written the feud into the show. They honestly... They don't care anymore. They are all really mean about each other in public. And they never say the other person's name. You know, it's that, like that political thing where it's like my opponent. But like Cynthia Nixon gave some quotes recently where she's just like, you know, it's just really nice to be back on set with people who actually want to be there. You know? And that it's just like, we're all there finding joy or whatever, which again is not the point of Miranda, the character and the problem with the, but whatever. God bless them for just really disliking each other. I prefer a public feud. I just, I've been saying this for a while. I want to normalize disliking things. Like, I just think that it's good to dislike stuff publicly and like, let's all be allowed to dislike things, including each other. I, I think I mostly agree. (laughs) I, I mean, obviously, I agree on myself. I just like basically everything. And I think it's okay to say this other person is not for me. And we didn't get along. And, you yeah. know, it can get vicious fast. So I think everyone sure. needs to be respectful. But uh, sure, it wasn't <laughs> for me. That's, the, you know, most things are not for me. I'm with you. Normalize a, cur- a courteous dislike. Yeah. Respectful dislike. Yeah. Or at least disinterest. Yes, exactly. But I think you should be interested in it just like that. It's it's wonderful. I think on that note, we'd like to wish we'd wish wish well to uh, Kiki Palmer's baby daddy. Just you know, don't need you. We yeah. wish you well. I agree with that. All right, everyone. We'll be back next week. At that time, Amanda will have seen the Barbie movie, so perhaps we'll talk about Barbie. Oh yeah, that's exciting. And... I don't know whether I'll be allowed to yet. Embargo wise, well, I'm, I wanted to ask you, where are you? on your Barbie journey. You were excited like a month ago. I'm in awe. I'm, I'm blown away by this marketing campaign. I feel... I, but it's... I think... I, knock on wood, I think it's working. It's tracking. Like, I think... I think it's working as well. A lot of people are going to see it. And Juliet, movies need this. It's one of the reasons why I'm in awe of it. It's like so impressive. It is, it is being done from every angle. Like, for example, I was reading a really good article in Bloomberg about the history of Barbie the doll. And how we got to where we are as like mm-hmm. from Mattel as a company. Check that out. And on The Bachelor, they tonight on The Bachelorette, there's a Barbie themed date and Simu Lu makes an appearance. Oh, but he's also an Avenger. So that's how yeah. they get it. Because I was trying to figure out Barbie's a Warner Brothers movie, ABC yeah. owned by Disney, technically competing competing studios, but they have the Avengers tie-in. Got it. Got it. But yeah, I just like I'm I, I the, the pink isn't doing anything for me, but I'm not like offended by it. But I'm just I am blown away by this marketing campaign and how successful it is. And and just like I, I felt like you, I was like, oh, this is what it's like to like be marketed towards. And I realized you probably right. must think about that very, kind of thing all the time. Funny on Big Pick, I was 
talking about the kind of just everywhere marketing campaign with Sean. And Sean was like, yeah, they do this all the time. And I was like, well, I guess for you, yeah, they like, market I, everything to you, but I have not encountered it literally something literally everywhere I go all the time like this in some time. The only other movie of our lifetime that I think maybe would have gotten this kind of marketing campaign if this type of marketing campaign existed in the late 90s is Titanic. But I can't think of another movie that even would have like been considered for this kind of thing because because of how much money they spent on it yes. and everything. Yeah. Like we can talk about that more next week. But okay. Anyway. Great. Thanks, Jade. Thanks, Jade Whaley, our producer, for producing this episode and for reacting as we talk so we know if we're on track or not. <laughs> we appreciate you. Have a great week, everybody. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.